Hello and welcome to When I Found Grace podcast. Today, we're going to dive into our new series, Another Take, our very first interview, coming up. By grace you have been saved. By grace you have been saved. By grace you have been saved. By grace you faith. Excited to introduce to you our new series, Another Take. A series of where I get to go through and we are going to interview individuals and talk to them, kind of get their perspective. I know it's fun for me to talk, but also one of the things that I really enjoy is when I get to hear other people and listen to the wisdom and maybe the things that the Lord is doing in their life. And so today we get a special treat because we get to interview and have a conversation with my father-in-law, Joseph Brown, who comes all the way from England to talk to us. And one of the things that really excites me about him the most is that he has such an interesting life that I can look at and a lot of things that are just so encouraging all the way from the way he began his life all the way to when he got saved to when he got married and to his family now um, and even when he was introduced into my life through his daughter, who is my wife. And so I am honored to be able to talk with him and be able to hear his story and be able to look at the things of how we can relate them to us in our life. But before we begin, I do want to mention that what we did is we recorded this through a Zoom conversation. And while I was using my mic and studio uh, set up here. Uh, my father-in-law doesn't have that luxury. And so he is recording from his iPhone. And so there is going to be a lot of extra noises that are picked up in the background. Uh, also because they're, as they call it, their flat or their apartment that they live in. Uh, it's not very big. And so it's obviously a shared space with him and my mother-in-law. And so, um, th- there's, there's a lot of, uh, potential distractions that may um, come up. But, you know, this is when I found grace. If you can be as gracious as you can and and just bear with those things, because we want to make this uh, not only just enjoyable for you to listen to, but um, more importantly, for you to be able to hear the things that my father-in-law is saying and being able to take these things and hear them, learn from them, and and just be encouraged by them. And so the the content of this is the most important in my opinion, and hopefully you feel that same way. So without further ado, here we go, my father-in-law, Joseph Brown. All right, I want to introduce to you my father-in-law, or better known as my father outlaw, uh, <laughs> Joseph Brown, all the way from, um, it used to be East Grinstead, England, but, but where is it now? Eastbourne. 
Eastbourne. Okay, so from one east to another east. So yes. Okay. Okay. And and how's the weather over there, Dad? Uh, it's something that we don't talk about in this uh, in this apartment. It's um, <laughs> overcast, very cold, and uh, not too warm, and just uh, terribly miserable. But uh, um, we we don't reflect that. We we're sunny people, and. Uh, um, I want to rename the town where we live, um, not Eastbourne, but Rain, Rainbourne. <laughs> Rainbourne. Now, before you, you moved there, did you, did you understand that there was more rain? On the coast. Yeah. Um, yeah, but they always promote Eastbourne as being um, the sunny side of the street. Um, uh, and I, I need to speak to somebody because I want to take legal action against what they purport to do, to, to, to say. They're, sell, they're, selling, they're not selling their goods correctly. Well, you, you know, me and my family always said you can never trust the British anyways. So... Uh, yes, moving on. <laughs> well, moving moving on, and and so so, Dad, you grew up in England, is that right? Yes. Where were you born? Where in England are you from? Okay, I was born in the city of Nottingham, which is the the, the land of Robin Hood. Yeah. Oh, and the sheriff of Nottingham. Yeah. Who pursued Robin Hood? Um, yeah, so that's where I was born. I was born in a nursing home um, in, um, in in the city of Nottingham. Yeah, and then and my parents. And, and um, you're moved. you're old. You're old enough to where you could probably be one of Robin Hood's merry men. Is that right? Uh, yes. Fortunately, I don't look like Friar Tuck. Well, it's because it's you've aged a little bit, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> so you were you were born in Nottingham, or yes. I'm sorry if I mispronounced that. Um, and and so uh, your your mom and your dad. Okay. What were their names? Um, okay. Um, my dad was uh, Steve, and my mom was Edith. OK, um, my father, uh, Steve, uh, belonged to a family of, uh, of, of butchers, right? Master butchers in, in, um, in, in Redford, which was the hometown. So when I was born in Nottingham, eventually my parents moved to uh, a place called Redford, um, where my father's family are from. <clears throat> so they go back many, I don't know. 100 years or 200 years. Um, so, but it, my father was uh, not a butcher. He didn't follow in the family tradition. He, he was a carpenter. Oh, okay. By trade. And then he married my mom. Well, first of all, he, he married a nurse and had a daughter who was very young when they both were killed in a train oh, accident. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Tragically. Um, and then he met my mother, Edith. Yeah, she was very young. Um, she was the only child of, of wealthy parents who owned property in Redford. The father was against the marriage to Steve because Steve was um, 
a widower and about 10 years older than my mom. And in those days, I think it was more kosher for the ages to be okay. similar. Right? Uh, anyway, so um, they married. Well, she, she obviously went against her father's wishes and they married. Um, from that point, from that point, her father ostracized her and ultimately left her out of the family will completely. He was so vindictive that when he died, he left his, his entire estate to the next door neighbor who used to come in and clean for him. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, the, the, houses, the houses where that he owned are still there. And uh, I remember going once to uh, the parish priest because my mom wanted to, um, she wanted to appeal against it. And the parish priest said no, he didn't think that was a good idea. But then we found out that the person that had inherited was uh, very friendly with the uh, the parish priest. Ah, uh, indeed. So yeah. uh, it was uh, wheels within wheels. But anyway, life went on. Now, can, can I ask you, um, now is that growing up with knowing that your dad had a, a previous family? I mean, is is this something that he he talked about, losing a wife, losing a child? No. No. No, we never, we never, we never found out about it until one day we were coming back from church. There was myself and my three sisters, and we were walking with this lady who had just been at church as well. And she said, "Oh, do you know about?" She proceeded to tell me basically because she was standing next to me as we walked about uh, Steve's other wife. And I went home and I spoke to my mom. And I said, uh, this lady was saying something about Steve's other wife. Um, and uh, she said, no, 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 uh, I'll let you know about that later. Long story short, um, it then came out what had happened. And um, the grave of Steve's wife and child are in the Catholic cemetery in Redford. We actually found it eventually. Well, so that's a... a so, I mean, how did you, when you first experienced that, I mean, how did it, did, did it affect you emotionally? Did it affect you in any way? Yeah, I think it was sad um, to hear that. But at the same time, we were sad for my father who had never said anything. And obviously he just wanted to get on with things. Not, not that he was disrespectful to, to his late wife and uh, late daughter, but I think that, in order that the relationship between the four children of his new family, uh, he didn't want to to upset or to rock that relationship at all. And that's sure, what that's what sure. I believe. And so, when you found it out, it, was there maybe a an understanding, maybe a better understanding of your father, or did things just kind of stay the same? Yeah, what what he what he'd been through. Yeah. Yeah. And and at what age was it that you found that out? Oh, I'd probably be about 12, 12, 11, 10, 11, 12. 
So that could have been quite, I mean, impressionable, especially if a, a person from the church is talking about your, your father having another wife. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that she wasn't being straight up about it the way she said. Right. Um, and incidentally, my, my father never, ever said anything to us. The, the, the information and everything came from my mother. Okay. And we never, we never took it up with my father. I think, I think he was being terribly, terribly English in that, you know, he didn't want, he didn't want his business being known. Sure. And he didn't want that aspect coming up in, in conversations. Um, and I think that it was really not not kosher for that lady mm. to say what she said at that time, and, and to us. Right, right. Sounds sounds like she was being more malicious than she was. Yeah, I think so. She she had a, she had a um, a double motive. Yeah. Wow. So so mo- moving forward from there, then um, your childhood, um, growing up. I mean, what. T- tell me about it. Okay. Um, what happened was <clears throat> with my parents, uh, they swapped roles uh, when my father was injured on a building site. My father was a carpenter and uh, he, he fell, I think. He fell from a roof and injured himself. So they swapped roles. My mom was a teacher. She went out to teach. and my father. Uh, ran the house. He looked after us at home. He did the meals and everything else. And now how, how old were you about? Very young, because all we knew was my dad at home and my mom going to school. I only ever knew my father as, uh, as being bald. Yeah. I, I never knew him with hair. Yeah. So, yeah. But then he was, he was that much older than my mother, yeah. wasn't he? So when, by the time I was appreciative of things going on i'd be like what 14 yeah. no not 14 but uh, you know quite old wow so then how about your schooling was was your mom your teacher no no she um my mom taught uh, it's not really political to say these words these days she taught i'll use a phrase from yesteryear she taught educationally subnormal okay. children so she taught, she taught slow sure. children, right? Mm. And um, she got extra money for that, okay. obviously. Mm. Okay. Mm. Um, <clears throat> so she never taught me. She enjoyed that work? Yes, she did. And she was good at it. She was good at it. I'm well respected for it. And now... Um, your schooling. Where did you go to school? How were you brought up? I went to school in Redford, to an Anglican school, right, in Redford. Um, uh, there was no Catholic schools in our town. And I'll always remember that I, I had a good relationship at school. I enjoyed the school. But morning assembly, I wasn't allowed to go into morning assembly because the Catholic Church said that I couldn't sing the songs and say the prayers. Those were the rules. So um, 
when the when the assembly closed, I uh, the opening part closed. I would have to leave assembly and go into a room and be there for twenty minutes whilst they said their prayers and sang their songs. But unfortunately for me, yeah. twenty minutes yeah. at the age of seven. six and seven, right, um, was a big ask because. Little boys want to go to the little room, yeah. right? So, so I in, invariably used to pee myself, and which wasn't quite nice. So yeah. eventually, my parents um, decided we needed to go to a Catholic school. And the, my three sisters, who were all younger than me, we, used to, we went to the next town where there was a Catholic school, and we'd go um, on the bus each morning. And how far was that town from yours then? Was it probably about uh, seven miles, eight miles? Okay. Okay. On the so, bus. so being in England, it probably took you three hours to get there. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. Long. <laughs> yeah. Point, point taken. No. Yeah. Yeah. No. Good. Good. So. Okay. So. Anglican, Catholic. What? What's the difference? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, the Reformation. Yes. The Reformation was when um, Henry VIII wanted to divorce his wife. Okay. And the only way he could do it was to create his own church. Right. Which is where the Church of England comes from. It was Catholic. It was Catholic before that. He disobeyed the Pope because he wanted uh, another wife. Right. He wanted a son. Yeah. And, so, um, and that's where, um, like, uh, Amberlynn and and uh, wasn't that one yes, of his wives? Yeah. And, 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 yeah. and Jane Seymour. Yeah, yeah. That, okay, from, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, because I, I just, um, I don't know if any of our, all of our listeners quite know the difference between the Anglican uh, and Catholic, what the relationship between the Catholic and Anglican churches are. Um, basically, he wanted to get divorced. The church. He wanted. He wanted divorce. The Pope wouldn't wouldn't allow divorce. So he starts his own religion. He had to create another religion. Yeah. He became the head of the church. Right. 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 Oh, so that's where that's where he became the head. Yes. And is that is that still true today? To where the the queen would be considered the yes. Okay. Okay. So what whatever she says goes. Yeah. Essentially. Yes. Yes. She's she's regarded as the head of the Anglican Church. Um, but a, a little bit different to the Pope because the Pope is head, um, and when he speaks on, on matters of faith, he is God. Okay, so but so you were Catholic growing up in an Anglican town, and then you had to go to the next town in order to get the proper schooling that your parents and your family felt comfortable with. Uh, yeah, I, I want to say something quickly that there was no bias or hatred towards Catholics. We we were not um, discriminated against as as Catholics. Um, they used to see us traipsing to church on a Sunday morning, and basically, people used to say to my parents, "I love we love to see you walking with your Bibles to church." Mm. Um, and we we did that. We didn't have a car. Uh, we did that two or three times on a Sunday, there and back. Oh, wow! Um, so yeah, th- th- there was no animosity except 
you know, there was this business about the Catholics. Sorry, the Anglicans wouldn't water down what they did. And the Church of England was the church in England, right? And the Catholics, obviously, uh, there was a lot of animosity between Rome and the Church of England, right? Mainly because the Church of England had taken all the Catholic churches (laughs) during the Reformation. Right, right, yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess that's how that's how church splits should happen, right? We 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 don't like what you're saying, and then we're going to take all your assets with us. And oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Um, it's it's very unfortunate, um, but as I say, we uh, we went to school um, in in the next town, and we were happy to do that. Um, you asked me just to set out a couple of things, which we did. Yep. Um, um, at, at 13, I began training to be a priest, right? Um, at, thir- at 13? At 13, yeah. Actually, okay. I wanted to go at 11, because they used to take them at 11, but uh, I didn't pass the entrance exam at 11, only at 13. So what? So what did the the entrance exam? What was that? Well, basically, it was a um, a test of your knowledge. Okay. To see whether or not you were um, teachable and your and your education standard. Okay, so so it it was just what you knew, not what you knew about like the Bible or no, the no um, no. It wasn't. It okay. wasn't based on on on. on on religious, religious texts, yeah, okay. Were, were you teachable enough? Okay, I think that was it. Sure, sure. So, so at thirteen, that's when you got accepted in. That's when I got accepted, um, and I went to junior seminary um, and did had an education for for five years. Okay, uh, because at the age of eighteen, I decided that um, I didn't want to. Um, I didn't want to continue. Um, with with a, with training to be a priest, but um, might I ask? Can I ask yeah. what made that decision? Like what what veered you away from becoming a a priest okay. and continuing? At the age of eighteen, I I believe that I wanted to leave because I'd had enough of the restrictions that applied um, at the seminary. Sure. Um, that was a case of, um, yeah, the studying, which was um, heavy. Um, and also, you know, we were being future priests. They, um, uh, life was tough because um, before we left on holiday, they explained to us under no circumstances must we be found alone with a female. Because females interfered with you, I sure. <laughs> and you, and you were, were training to be a priest, and you had to be holy. Right, right, right. So uh, there were that, that, that sort of you know no, no, nobody trusted you. Let's put it sure. that way. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So I uh, I decided that um, I would I would leave, but that opened up a can of worms. Because I had to write to the bishop and tell the bishop that I no longer wanted to be a priest. 
he then wrote back to me and said in no uncertain terms, you know how much the diocese is spent on you. You know what this has cost. You know how we need priests. You know, we want you to reconsider uh, whatever. Anyway, uh, I, I pursued my um, my decision. Uh, a letter went from the bishop to the parish priest, and the parish priest went round to see my parents. And that was another uh, hurdle to cross. My parents were very disappointed, absolutely um, shattered. And that's going to conclude our first part of this interview. There's still a lot more to come, but hopefully you're blessed by what you hear. And maybe some people are able to relate even with uh, what uh, my father-in-law was saying. And so this conversation is going to be continued uh, next time on our next episode as well. God bless. Y'all have a great day. I'm